1: Six foot six above sea level. I grabbed my mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low no power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. We bring the truth to place the
0: truth is never- Good afternoon. You're listening to WORT eighty-nine point nine FM Madison. I'm your host, Ali Maldro, and this is a public affair. Today we are talking to Adrian Marie Brown and Sonia Renee Taylor. Uh, authors of incredible books, including, you know, Pleasure Activism, The Body Is Not an Apology, between the two of you, you have, you know, set spirits free for years. It is so cool. It is so cool to get to talk to you today, um, especially because I feel a little under the weather, and I feel like you two are kind of, you know, you're, you created an incredible healing vibration through this journal. And I actually started writing in it when I was at Facing Race. Um, so the journal is Journal of Radical Permission Guide for Following Your Soul's Calling. Um, Adrian and, and Sonia, how did you two end up working together? And I guess Sonia, I'll, I'll start with you. How did y'all, How did y'all find <laughs> each other? <laughs>
1: Um, I think the universe has been like pulling us together for a very long time. Um, you know, I the first I want to say the first time that I ever spent uh, in shared space with Adrian, uh, she was doing a like public discussion screening about lemonade when it first came out. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, this is so fun. This is amazing. Uh, and I had such a great time. And I it I tell all the time publicly I had like such a huge crush. And I like slid in her DMs and was like Uh, um, (laughs) and she was like that's cute (laughs) Uh, and then you know these these sort of new opportunities kept coming up and literally I want to say we were about to we both had the thought to reach out to each other at the same time and we were like what would happen if we like just had a public conversation like I want to talk to you and I want you to talk to me and we should talk um, and we should do it publicly and IDA and you know, who do you think wants to help us put this together? And, you know, who wants to pay for it? (laughs) And that was literally our first sort of visioning of working together. And the entire vision manifested exactly as we saw it. It was so amazing. And so we used this um, public conversation in December of 2020 to begin ideating around, like, what would it look like if we did a joint collaboration um, around, permission around what does it mean to give ourselves radical permission to live our most liberated lives. Uh Yeah. And so that was, that was how the the juicy parts got started. What would you mm. add? A-
2: yeah. I mean, I think that's it. I, I do think that there's a real sense in me of like, we're living in such a weird time where it feels like it, it can get very easy to feel competitive amongst uh thinkers, you know, to just be like, oh, we're thinking and we're out in the world. And um I, I have tried to really be, to intervene on that uh, whenever I see it and instead be like, how do we move towards and how do we weave together the different kinds of work we're doing and and notice the overlaps and also notice the lanes. So I was really excited because I'm like, Sonia's got a whole lane carved out that is really like powerful and raw. Like I was like, oh, I want to be able to, <laughs> I need to learn from her. Like mm-hmm. she just on right here with like, no makeup, no filter, hair, no, no hair. No, I, and mean, I was like, hair not done. You know, like in her bathrobe and just dropping wisdom. Like, here I am to give you the light that I can see today. No, and, I
0: I think about her image on the yes. cover of her book. I'm like, are I'm like, am I at the point in my life where I'm just naked, surrounded by flowers on the cover? Like, that's the that's I- the standard.
2: <laughs> that's the standard, right? So I felt like there was this overlap you know, and I was like, what's at the Venn diagram? What is the overlap between us? And I, you know, it's just like, there's work that we could do together and ways that the things that we have already done really support each other, you know? Mm. Um, so I felt really excited. And I also felt like, I want to know Sonia, I want to know what she's thinking about and how she's moving in, in the world. So I wanted to, I was like, I want to be friends. Let's do something together because that's often how I can make space in my life for new connections. Um, And I will say the public conversation that we had, you know, I still remember it. It's one of the most vivid like event type memories for me because it was, now I've also got sniffles, but it was um, pretty early in the pandemic process and, or it felt early in the pandemic process. Like it was like, when it was like, we might have to live like this for a while. And how do we still have intimate, beautiful, sacred space? and the the event that we did that night, we've had a groundbreaking conversation, I think, for both of us. We planned out what a dream institute would be. And then we had this young DJ who was just breaking through at that moment, DJ amorphous, who came through and djed an after party for us, where, Everyone got on the camera and was grinding and twerking and dancing and just being like, "We will find ways to. Be, we will give ourselves permission <laughs> to still yeah. be
1: with each other." In this thirteen hundred people, like thirteen hundred people, thirteen hundred
2: people dancing. <sighs> so that just felt really like, okay, we're on to something here, and and from that emerged like, okay, let's let's make a course out of this. Let's and and let. But it's a different kind of course because it's like let's make a course where we're learning and we're pushing ourselves further down these pathways, right? So we're like, if the books that we have written already are the jumping off points, like this is how far I've gotten. What what would be the next you know frontier for each of us? And so we really grew a lot. We have grown a lot together.
1: Massive. <laughs> Massively. it's been serious, yeah.
0: I, I think like what I did not factor into having a cold today was that I might also start crying. And, you know, the idea of like crying and having a cold I'm like, oh, this is going to be a real vocal experiment here on WORT 89.9 FM, where I am so honored to be interviewing Adrienne Marie Brown and Sonia Renee Taylor. And I think what you all just described from you talking about like the crush you had on, on Adrian to kind of like the meet cute to like the revolution that you have manifested. This book is about inner work. It is, you know, in a lot of ways, it is asking the participant because it is not a a passive journal. It is a series of prompts. Um, it is structured. It is daily. Uh, there's a regiment. And, uh, I, I, I thought to see two people shed such light on one another um, was was really, you know, magnificent and inspiring. But also to see those same people hold that light up in a very warm way and say, participate in it and figure out where you land in this story was a, a phenomenal experience. As a person who's still using the tool you all created. Um, how has journaling impacted you as a writer sonia how has has this you know kind of tool helped you to manifest the things that have have mattered to you in your in your life as you've you know been an activist and an artist
1: um I mean, I've been a lifelong journaler, and it's actually really odd, I think, because all of my journals have disappeared, so somewhere in the world someone's going to be like you Know one day when they're worth a lot of money, <laughs> <So> <laughs> I'm like, I have all of Sonia's secrets. <laughs> this one was in the back of this repossessed car. This one got left. <laughs> such. Wait,
2: Sonia, do you can I just tell you something really quickly on that? I did not know that, and I'm not surprised by it. But in college, right after college, when I was leaving college, yes. a whole box of my most precious things I put everything in storage and it had. Maybe 20 journals in there from like, you know, when I first started journaling in around like nine or 10 right. till through college, went missing. And then, like, three years later, the founder of Cake New York, which was a sex party thing that was happening in New York, reached out to me and she was like, Hey, I have a stack of your journals. I think she was the founder of Cake New York. Anyways, she reached out. She's like, I've got a stack of your journals. And I was like, do you have the Peruvian rug? Do you have the rock and wall hanging? Do you have like Ooh, all the yeah. other stuff that I knew was in that box? And she's like, I don't know nothing about that. I just have a stack of your journals and they made their way back to me. They made their way back wow. to me. So I want to put that out there. Cause I'm like, I think, yeah, I think they're going to make it.
1: I'm really excited now. Yeah. Anybody who like, happens <laughs> to have, <laughs> yeah. well, you know, you're out there journals and you're out Need there your favorite I, book it's called yeah. Sonia's journal I'll give it back <laughs> you have some easy stuff in there too but go on ahead and send that back if you feel so inclined um uh, so that's wild I love that your journals came back to you um so yeah journaling has always been the way that I I sort of began to organize my ideas to to make sense of the world right I think it was the first element of like writing as a way to make sense of the world um and then you know, for a lot of it, as I found other modalities around writing, they became the new way to make sense of the world. So poetry sort of replaced my journal. Right around the time my journal, my last journal was went missing, is when I started doing um, performance poetry and slam, uh, and so that became the new way to make sense of the world. And then, since then, all of these other iterations. Uh, but I really see journaling as the, like, seed, the foundation, the first place where you get to be intimate with your inner world. Mm. Um, you're like, I'm going to let it out of my brain and I'm going to put it into the material, into the 3D, and I'm going to actually l- allow myself to see this reflection of me in the physical form.
0: Yeah. Oh, Adrian, I want to ask you because you you are an activist. Um, I think you you are a person who has has told people like get out there and pursue pleasure, pursue joy, like yeah. you know fight for what's beautiful. Um, and and in this project, I think you start you know, really giving folks tools to fight for a relationship with themselves in a different kind of way. Yeah. Why is this the, the work you think we, we as activists, we as leaders need to be doing right now? Of?
2: Yeah. I mean, it's actually, it's, it feels like a huge illumination for me of path that the whole time I was, I was actively in facilitation and social justice and organizing and movement work. Um, what I kept noticing was this widening gap between like, the critiques that I was giving to others and to those who held power and to corporates and corporations and government. There's this gap between that and how I was holding myself accountable. Um, so I was like, I'm participating in a lot of these practices, actually. Um, so there was something like, what would it look like if I embodied the things that I say I value, if I embodied all the things I said I cared about? And I came across the wisdom of Grace Lee Boggs, and she says, transform yourself to transform the world, or we must transform ourselves to transform the world. And it kind of, it, I don't know, it just broke me open. That it was like, what if I am the front line, and what if each of us is the front line of these changes happening, and how differently would we move in the world if the if the accountability was not as much of an external pointing as an internal journey and an internal piece of work. Mm. Not to say that it's not both and, but the kind of work we can do as an external force to hold others accountable is radically changed when we know that we have integrity with each other and that we're in real relationship with each other, which was the other piece, is that I felt like I kept being in movement spaces where we were we were fighting so urgently and trying to be strategic against these external oppressive forces, but we were coming apart at the seams internally and amongst each other, that we're not able to uh, say what we need to say in real time, honestly, right? To just be like, you you just messed up. That was really patriarchal. This was really racist. This hurt my feelings. And I'm not throwing you away because you did that, because we're all embedded in these systems that we're trying to unlearn. But as the systems show up in us, let's turn and face that. And like let's let's figure out how we eradicate oppression from within, outward. Um, so all of that started getting clearer and clearer. And I will say journaling helped <laughs> for me, too, in that process. That there were often times when I would write a letter to myself that was like, what is it I need to hear? What is it I need to feel? What is it I need to articulate more clearly? Or a letter to someone else. I'm like, why am I so upset and heartbroken when I'm surrounded by people who say we're all committed to liberation? but I don't feel free and I don't feel freedom amongst us. And I don't think we're gonna be able to make a compelling invitation to anyone else towards freedom if we're not an embodiment of it. So, so much of, of my work has been really, what does it feel like within me to experience that freedom? What are the, and it's small steps y'all. Sonia and I talk about this all the time that it's like, it's really an inch at a time. Like there might be moments that feel like ma- massive transformation, but they only come after like sitting on the mat, sitting on the mat for three years, or <laughs> you know, just like being like, I don't know. Um, and I also want to say, I try not to direct anyone to go to someplace I haven't gone. I try not to engage people in a process I have not gone through myself. And so that was something that I was like, even if my goal is still to tell wealthy people to relinquish their privilege, and my goal is still to tell people who experience supremacy, right? To relinquish that hierarchy inside of themselves. Even if that's the goal, I, I have to figure out where does that live in me? Where are the parts of me that want to be special and outside the whole and above everyone else? Which as a Virgo, <laughs> there are some. And, you know, uh, so there's a way that I'm like, oh, how do I relinquish that need to be a part? What does it mean to come back and like let myself actually be a part of a choir for, for liberation and justice? which is, you know, I'm so excited we did this project because I've given myself permission to sing and write music and write fiction and write my, you know, just to move into a much more creative realm. And oh. I don't think I would have gotten there if we hadn't done this project
1: mm. yeah. in this way. Oh. Yeah. I, I, I I, the other thing I just want to say really quickly yeah, is no. that everything that you described, Adrienne, I think is what is like in that Venn diagram of like, where is Adrienne's work and where is Sonya's work and what's the overlap is that piece right there. It's That's that right. how do we cultivate within that which we desire to see without, you know, That's right. I, I say in the body's non-apology, we cannot build externally what we have not built internally. Right. And so right. both of us simultaneously moving inside of that, there was no way but for us to intersect inside of this work. Because that I think is the key vision that we hold together. Yeah. Is the, the key piece of permission that we want, we wanted to unlock in ourselves and that we wanted to share with, others
2: yeah and i feel like we're constantly learning like we are constantly learning about all kinds of stuff even like well (laughs) what are the structures for black feminist thinkers what what are the ways you know how do we support ourselves to be thought leaders in the world um how do we make sure that we are protecting the part of us that needs to be free enough to speak um, from a perspective that is not mm, hampered or compromised right so Mm. we're constantly learning
0: still Yeah. Well, and I think for for two people who are giants in their own right, in terms of your your contributions as authors, your contributions as movement leaders, as thinkers, um, to see you all collaborate and, and to collaborate in a way that is celebratory of self-love, that is celebratory of reflection, that is celebratory of inner work, um, is is pretty uh, astounding and also deeply refreshing because I think in a lot of ways it goes the against the narratives we're given about women, um, against the narratives we're given uh, about Black women in terms of of what it means to be in collaboration and you know have respect for ourselves that extends to being in in beautiful relationships with one another in relationships mm-hmm. that are mutually beneficial and I think so often. As Black women, um, there is a, a message that there's room for one of us at the table. There is a, a message that um, you know we we don't need to be overrepresented or over-reinforced or you know that there that there just isn't enough, enough space. And just so to see you two take up space and make space for one another, um, talk about what that what that means, kind of long term. How how you two. Yeah are gonna function strategically in a way that challenges uh, a very narrow perspective of who who Black women are. Hmm.
2: Yeah, I mean, I will say that I think one of the most beautiful aspects of this is the idea that there can be these radical friendships where like, I feel very intentional. Sonia and I talk about it very intentionally, like we're powerful, right? That that's foundational to the friendship is we're powerful and we are impacting the world. So let's be intentional about it. And um, we don't have to impact the world in the same way, but what does it look like to harness, harness the moments of togetherness, harness the places where it can work together. Um, And I also feel like there's a, you know, so you tell me, you know, just tell me to shut up if I'm going too far with this, but I, I feel like there's also been so much honesty in the balance of how we work. Right. Absolutely. So when we showed up, <laughs> I was like, here's how I work. I don't do, I don't want to do a bunch of like businessy marketing meetings. That's not how I operate. Like I am spirit led day by day. Like I really want to be present <laughs> in a creative content generating realm. And Sonia could have been like, well, too bad. Like, we both have to do this. Instead, she was like, I'll handle this. You handle. Because
1: I was like, I never want to write a spreadsheet. I never want to color code a spreadsheet. I never want to create that. And Adrian's
0: like, I got you. I was like, oh,
2: I was like, I (laughs) I can make the most beautiful spreadsheet in the world. And I'll track all of our practitioners that we want to invite. And like, I'll come up with a a whole system for how we're going to generate content. But I never want. We were just both so honest about like, I hate this. I will not do it. I don't want to do it and And also, being able to say, "This part comes easy to me." so we were able to share the work. And so, as we face forward, there's a way that it's like, you know, we created something really beautiful. How do we make sure that that keeps going in the world? So, like the course that we created, we ran it initially as a live course. So the journal that you have, it goes along with this course that has six units. and we did these beautiful co-lectures, basically. Where we we really thought about and leaned into and explored everything we've learned and know about stuff. And then we have these live conversations with people, but now we are making the course with all the lecture material and all the practitioners. So this is like a dream spread of practitioners of how to get into your body and into your permission in your life. I'm like, we just like looked at each other like people should always have this. Like we shouldn't that, you know, like we we knew from the very from very early on that it was like. We don't want to make something that's just a one-time bottleneck limited experience for people. Like we both want to create fountains that keep flowing. Um, We want to figure out like how to make sure it runs. So, but I think that that's a big part of how we work together is being like, how do we come from a place of abundance and how do we come from a place of honesty about where our strengths are? Mm-hmm. And then how do we keep nourishing each other moving forward? So now also, Sonia introduced me to her agent, her literary agent, and I ended up working with her, which is so helpful in a partnership, right? Um, To be like, oh, this person is helping us think not just of our own projects, but like kind of beyond that. And then now I feel like deeply committed to Sonia's next projects, getting off the ground and like being like, I check in, like, how is this going? How is this going? Because I can't wait to read it. I'm a fan. And I feel the same thing from her. Like every new project I'm working on, I feel like at a different level, at the level of ha- helping me move through to give myself permission to create, she knows the spiritual work it's taken for me to do the the, the the world and future facing work I'm doing now. So I recommend this, you know, to other people who are like, yeah, there's comrades of mine who I want to be in deeper relationship with. And I want to be able to support in a deeper way, like collaborating actually really can help. It can really help you learn each other and learn how to show up for each other long-term.
1: And it's Ooh. not, you know, and I think the other thing is, it's not, um, you know, like we're not mavericks in this. There's a tradition of- Exactly. thought collaboration. The Kampahi River Collective- is a yes. manifestation of that, right? It's like, oh, we have ideas and collectively, our ideas are incredibly powerful in paving a way forward what does it look like to put those together? So I think Adrian and I were, are following one along tradition of our four, mo- four mothers, four aunties, our, you know, our Audrey Lords, <laughs> our, you know. Yes, and our also, kitchen table literatures, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Our, our
0: building on that,
1: just building on that tradition.
0: Oh, if you are just tuning in, you're listening to A Public Affair on WORT 89.9 FM, Madison. My name is Ali Muldrow, and today we're chatting with co-authors of a new guided journal of radical permission, Adrian Marie Brown and Sonia Renee Taylor. If you would like to join the conversation, give us a call at 608-256-2001, extension 9, or reach out to us on Twitter at WORT Talk or on the a public affair page on Facebook. So there's all kinds of ways to join in. We'd love to hear from you. How do you feel about journaling? What are what are the things that you're hoping inner work can do for you in your life. Um, what are you What are you hoping to get out of the conversation with these two incredible people in terms of what it means to collaborate and write and and create something that is such a gift to the world? Um, huge shout out before we carry on this conversation to the folks who behind the scenes are making this conversation possible. So Jade, our producer, Ben, our engineer, Shelly Pittman, our director of news, y'all are amazing. And I wouldn't be having this incredible conversation with these incredible folks if it wasn't for your work. Extra shout out to my little brother, Wally Amir Maldro, is 33 years old today. Happy birthday, hey. love so hey. <laughs> hey. I love you so much. I love you so much. I, I, I think, you know, I, it was hard for me to think about how to ask you questions about the journal, because as I was filling it out, I was like, am I asking them questions about myself? (laughs) Like, (laughs) am am I asking them about like my, my healing journey or where I'm at with my body or a lot of of what you do, you know, you you reference Octavia Butler, you you reference these really beautiful ideas throughout this journal. Um, but a lot of what you do is kind of open people up to examine themselves, and real intense things mm-hmm. come up when you're doing that. Uh, it's you know, it was a book that as I was filling it out, I wanted to like go through and read all the prompts at one yeah. point, but not necessarily keep you know, working through what was coming out for me. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm like, what is the reaction people have to doing this kind of work? And can you talk about the challenging part of inner work? Because I do think (laughs) that folks, you know, are like, oh, this sounds lovely. This sounds, you know, thoughtful and healing and intentional. Um, And then the things that come up are often painful and and complex. And so, You know, who I'm. I'm like whoever wants to speak to it first. I'm like, yeah, I'm, it, I'm excited to hear it. what you have to say.
1: Um, you know, I think it's so funny because Adrian and I, I think we're we're like the. You know, I always find that we kind of like split the difference. Adrian is like the sweet, bring it, soft, pleasurable, like, <laughs> and I'm like, it's gonna be brutal. <laughs> <laughs> and neither of us is wrong You're right, it's, it's telling the truth right um and it's you know i'm always aware of the difficulty right like the the, the there's a reason we aren't all doing this all the time right and it's because <laughs> it is hard it is because it requires a level of self-reflection and self-honesty that one is not cultivated inside of our society we live inside of a world that is really really adamant that we lie to ourselves and lie to each other about who we are um right if we were to actually tap into the most authentic elements of ourselves we would be disrupting a lot of systems that rely on our inauthenticity and so it's very you know, it's hard and we are not trained to do it and it requires uncovering and excavating a lot of things that we worked really hard to bury inside of ourselves in part because we've attached them to very painful stories right to to things that have happened to us that we have made mean really difficult things right there's such a fear about being bad and wrong. There's such a fear about never being good enough and not being lovable. And all of these sort of underlying foundations that we've been operating our lives from. And to choicefully go and explore those means to one have to actually look at the foundation upon which we've set our lives, right? This story of unlovability, this story Mm -hmm. of unworthiness, all of these things, and what I always offer as a, you know, as a way to navigate, right, Sonia, who who the hell wants to do that? Nobody wants to do that. <laughs> Come on, girl, nobody wants to do that. What I'm always coming back to myself and always sharing out loud is, guess what? It's hard anyway. Mm. Living in an authenticity is hard. Living in disconnection is hard. Feeling mm. like everyone is against you and that you don't have the support that you need and that you're never going to have enough and all of the sort of you know, really stifling mindsets and dynamics that we're already living in are really difficult, really painful. We're really unhappy. That's evident all over the world. So if it's going to be hard anyway, let it be hard in service towards your freedom. Let Mm. it be hard in service towards your liberation. (laughs) If you're going to struggle anyway, you know, Fannie Lou Hamer said, if I fall, I'm going to fall five feet, three inches towards my freedom. And that is what it is that I think this, this excavation, this, this illumination into our inner worlds offers us is one step closer toward shattering all of those myths that our lives are built on anyway. Like what happens is you do that work and then you're like, all of it was a lie. Actually, I'm freaking amazing. Actually, I'm deeply connected. Actually, I'm totally loved, lovable and loving. That's the real truth. And all we're trying to do is say, if you look, if you really look at all the scary stuff, you'll see the truth underneath it, which is all of its lie.
0: Mm. I I feel like my inner Taurus wishes I had done, like, your birth charts before this show. Like, I just, I just really, all of a sudden, I'm like, I just want to know where everybody's moon is while we have this conversation.
1: Cancer moon. (laughs) moon. We're both
2: Scorpio moons, right?
1: No, I'm a Cancer
2: moon, you're a Scorpio. Oh, right, I forget. Your Scorpios are elsewhere. So she's a... I am a Scorpio moon so it's that's you and moon. you and moon. me and Beyonce. Yes. Um <laughs> but Sonia's got Scorpio almost everything else. So was
1: yeah. six six placement stellium in Scorpio.
0: Oh, you all are the best. This is <laughs> just I'm I'm living for what you all are bringing to WORT right now. Um, I I want to ask you Adrian or Adrian as Frida I, wakes hear the out, baby I know Hi, Hi, Frida. Hi, my friend she is, she is also a little under the weather, so she's going to come mm-hmm. hang out with us. But, but, you know, I, I think Adrienne, as you, as you continue to kind of, you know, embrace this, this work. Yeah. What is, what does it mean for you to like, I guess, transform as an activist to not be the activist that you once were? Yeah. yeah. You know,
2: it's such an interesting thing because I, <clears throat> I think it's been a real fear for me. You know, that's been the 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 bind that I've been in. It's like, can I still take myself seriously if I'm not doing the work in the way that I, I thought I was always going to do it? You know, like when I when I got politicized, I was like, there's only one path towards doing this liberation work and I found it and I'm gonna do it and I'll just be a facilitator indefinitely. And the art side of me just kept banging at my door. And banging at the door of my heart, banging at the door of my mind. And I kept trying to figure out, like, maybe I can just put it on the side a little bit here and there. And it was like, no, this is a central aspect of who you are. Um, so in some way, that's the rad- that's the most radical permission I've had to give myself is the permission to trust my analysis and trust how I see the world to pour through anything that I create um, and to pour through anything that I make. And I did an interview with Lama Rod Owens a few years ago, as a Black Buddhist. And he talked about the need for prophets in this time and what it means to be a prophet in this time. And I think that this project is a prophet project because the way he spoke about it is being a prophet is just being willing to speak the truth about what is happening in real time, like to talk about the present honestly. And Folks are always like, oh, it's telling the future. And it's like, the the only way you can tell the future is if you can speak honestly about what's happening in the in the now. And I feel like, I don't feel like I have let go of any aspect of my desire to transform the world. But what I do feel like has happened is that I'm changing how I do that work. And then I'm stepping more explicitly into the prophetic um, creative work. So it's just like, stuff is coming through me. It comes through very clearly and I'm giving myself um, total permission to let it flow through. And whether it comes as a song or a poem or a piece of fiction or, um, (laughs) you know, now I just create this musical ritual and it's like build a whole choir singing, you know, 400 people singing songs that are healing for us, right? I'm like, that feels still very deeply connected. And um, I will say, this is one of my visions for the world also, is that people have lots and lots of different maybe... Professions, right? Many jobs, but that we understand that everywhere that we are is a front line for liberating ourselves and liberating the people around us and transforming the world we're in. And, you know, Octavia Butler always says we don't know who we're going to end up in the apocalypse with. I think about that a lot right now as we are in what feels like, you know, kind of constantly escalating conditions, right? It's like any given day, it's going to be this is the climate moment and you can't get home or this is the moment where you have to leave your home. I think we all have probably some climate refugee times ahead of us. Like we have to learn how to be humans with each other for this period of time. And so I'm trying to dedicate all of my gifts towards that task. And I think, you know, this is our, pre- this is our hypothesis, is that the more that people give themselves permission to be with what is and be with who they actually are inside of that, the more possibilities we create for what community will look like on the other side of empire. And that's really exciting to me.
0: You're on I wanna these. hear what you're saying, I, I, my, my dear. I'm so sorry, but I, I'm like, I think that my next question in response to what you're saying is so counter to what you're saying. And still right. I feel obligated to ask both of you this question. Go for um, it. I think as, as thought leaders, as authors, as people who can mobilize folks, do you all feel uh, compelled in any way to be involved politically in certain ways? I know people ask you to run for office. I know people <laughs> want. To, I know people want to get behind every variety of your leadership. Um, I know that because I'm one of those those people. How do you decide where you're you're going to put your work? Why not policy? Mm-hmm. Why not politics? Why mm-hmm. not participate? in, in preventing or, or, or I'll say, yes. Yeah. For me, I can say very briefly. I, I
2: really want to do the things I know I'm good at. Right. Like I really want to stay in the lane in the pocket of what I know I'm great, great at. Right. Um, I, I read this book, the politics of power by Alicia Garza, which I really loved and she has a purpose whole, get her name. the purpose oh. of power. Thank you. I was like, boo, what, what is that excellent <laughs> book? But I loved this book because she talks about that piece around how important it is to find your lane and then occupy it fully. And, 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 you know, and I'm multi-lane, right? Like multi-hyphenate multi, there's a lot of things that are pouring through me, but one of the things I've learned from running movement organizations and founding movement organizations is that I'm not good at that. (laughs) Like, I'm like, that's not where my gifts are. Like I'm compelling as a, as a leader and as a thinker, for sure, people are willing to like follow and, and support what I'm up to but I have no, there's nothing in me that is a manager of other humans that really finds any kind of joy and satisfaction in doing that. Anyone who works with me, I'm just like, you just have to be motivated from within because (laughs) all I'm going to do is be like, did you do the thing? No. Okay. Then probably we shouldn't work together. Did you do the thing? Yes. Let's keep going. Right. And that's not how you do politics. That's not how you do policy. Um, I'm also like, I'm a fiction person for real, for real. Like it's, I, the only time I can read anything that's not fiction, it has to be a narrative, like a memoir, a biography. Like if I'm going to learn about policy, it has to be because Grace Lee Boggs put it, policy chapter inside of her autobiography, right? Like that's how, I'm a human story person. Like that's what interests me. And doing politics during organizing years, I always felt a little like an imposter because of that, that I was like, I I care about the hearts in this room and I'm struggling to follow a lot of the policy, you know, the details of it. What I'm great at is figuring out who is trustworthy in that arena and how to flank and support them to be full hearted in how they do their work. And I'm like, that's the call that I have. And so my, my, one of my purposes now is to help as many of the people who are in the front lines of policy and governance and holding those kind of spaces to actually get to live a full human, wonderful, miraculous healing life. I think that that's the support role or the way that that my work is supposed to move. But I'm like, I wish more of us could admit that being a leader doesn't always include running things or being the boss of things or in charge of things. And I do think that the people who are setting policy should be people who are passionate about being able to read and write policy, right? Like I could very much come in and be a, a charismatic person who wouldn't have all that grounding. And that I think that grounding is really important. Instead, I like to follow and be a student of the people who have that grounding and uplift and support the other pieces of of what the community needs.
0: Mm-hmm. Sonia, how does this work for you? How do how does this work when people say, you know, we we now need... Sonia should run for office. <laughs> <laughs>
2: That's different.
0: <laughs> that's different. <laughs>
2: yeah, she's real good with policy. She understands how things work in that way. That's why, that's why we work together well.
1: That's hilarious. I don't know if that's, so here's sort of what, where I situate myself inside of the conversation is. I know that right now, what I'm interested in is being, um, having the space and the context to vision forward in really radical, unbound ways, right? I'm a, right now. I'm allowed to say what I want to say, <laughs> anywhere, in any condition, however I look, in a bathrobe with boogers, all of those things. I'm allowed to put forth a vision, state <laughs> an idea, and be completely, you know, unrestrained in other people's perceptions about that. Yeah. Um, and I really enjoy that. I really enjoy the freedom that I have to ideate in public without constraint. Um, And the system we have right now got a lot of constraints in it. And it's still very wedded and weeded in the old ways of being and doing, right? We still are in the old system. And the people who are in it right now are really, you know, bless the brilliant folks who are like, I'm trying to, you know, vision a new world inside of this old machine. I have deep respect for them. Um, and I don't desire to vision inside an old machine. So, you know, when, <laughs> when we do away with this and, <laughs> and, you know, the world is ready for an unfiltered bathrobed, you know,
2: uh, <laughs> yes, uh, governor, Okay,
1: uh, you know, occasional booger in the nose, neurodivergent, fat black queer, you know, femme, ho- holler at your girl, I might run. So, <laughs> so yeah.
0: I think, like, I if, there's, if there's anyone who can bring about that world, it is it <laughs> is you. Um, and I, I think that, you know, there there is – I read this – so what I was reading while I was writing was Rest is Resistance, right? Oh, um, well, yeah, Trisha. I I yes. That,
1: I and I, I was
0: telling Sonia, I have, like, this little nerd tendency of – stacking black feminist books on top of each other and making them like part of the visual decor of my home reality. I think that's such um, a great
1: practice.
0: And, and so I told her when I saw that you all had done this together, I was like, it's like two books. I, I had sat next to each other, started hanging out until they became friends <laughs> and, and, and created a new, a new book. Yeah. So, yeah. so when I started reading, you know, reading about rest, I started thinking about how two people who are as talented and charismatic and multi-laned and multifaceted as you all, um, you know, create clear boundaries around this work, how you all, you mm-hmm. know, rest, how you make space for yourself, how you enjoy the the moments that you get to say yes to, and also how important it must be to both of you to be able to say, no, I don't have time for that, I can't do it. <laughs> um, talk talk to people about the reality of, of that, of, of what that means at, at the level that you two are, are working together in concert, to, to be working with, you know, one another in respect for, for firm boundaries and the ability to say no.
1: Mm -hmm. Adrian always says my no makes room for my yes. Yes. And, and that has been so profoundly true for me. Um, And I'm really committed to, you know, to shaping my life in the way that feels good. In a way that feels that I that I want to get into my life every I think of it like a bed, right? I want my bed to be as comfortable and beautiful as possible so that at night when I climb into it, I feel good. I want my whole life to be that. I want my whole Ooh. life to be a really mm. beautiful bed that's beautiful with <laughs> us. So that when I climb into it every day, I'm really excited about it. And that has made me be far more intentional about what it is that I am willing. Yes, <laughs> far more intentional about what it is that I am. Calling to me and what it yeah. is that I can't stay in my space or that just isn't in alignment with that with that vision I have for this comfy bit of a life that I'm making. And so, you know, I'm. It's been really interesting. I'm currently in my hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. This is the most time I've spent here since childhood. Um, and you know, sometimes my yeses surprise me. Like it was like yes, you want to go home, and I was like Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> What? Yeah, Midwest, um, baby. And, Midwest in the winter. Yeah, and and, sure. and still there was a yes there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, there was a part of me that, you know, I'd been on this six-month journey and traveling around the world, and I thought I was going to go to Kenya and then Thailand and Vietnam and Bali, and, and the enemy was like, no, no. Maybe at some point, but no. No, right now you're going to go to Unsexy Pittsburgh, and you're going to post up, and you're going to spend time with your family and you're going to decorate Christmas trees and that's where your yes is. And anything that doesn't align with, with that yes, it's easy to say no to today. It just feels easy in a way that it's, you know, in a way that is different from the times before I gave myself permission to not have to be everywhere and do everything to know that I was valuable, right? Mm -hmm. To be everywhere and do everything to know that I was still, you know, I think about Michaela Cole's speech, um, I want to say at the Emmys um, a few years ago, where she was like, "Don't be afraid to disappear. Right? Don't be afraid to go away and see what's calling you in that inside of that quietness." And right now, life is really quiet, and you know, I don't feel like I have a huge public footprint in the in this moment, and I'm cool. I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> nice.
2: <laughs> I love that, Sonia. And you know, I think the only things I'll add to it is. I'll add two things. One is our mutual friend, Prentice, who Mm -hmm. gives us the, what I call the hemp hill method now.
1: Um,
2: (laughs) (laughs) Boundaries are the distance at which I can love you and myself simultaneously. It Hearing that, you know, like when I said the no makes the way for your yes, that's the spirit of it, right? That it's like, I'm trying to make the way for love. I'm trying to make the way for connection. I'm trying to make a way for being able to be in right relationship with the world that is constantly changing. And that is um, where there's a ton of needs and which leads to the second thing, which is like, it makes me so much more efficient at loving and creating and being because now I'm so in touch with what I used to do. (laughs) What I used to do was say yes, but inside me, everything was actually a no. And so then I would waste all this time either not doing a good job or coming creating obstacles, sabotaging myself and just wondering why, (laughs) like, you know, that thing where you're like, where someone's like, can I come by? And you're like, yeah, I mean, you know, I just have this, 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 that, this, that, and you're just miserable the whole time. And it's just like a mess instead of just being like, no, you know, I just had a friend today. I adore asked me to come over for something meaningful for her tonight. And I was like, it's, Immediately, my body was a no, not because I don't adore her, not because I don't want to be there for her, but because my my cup is empty. I just poured everything I have out into this thing I created. And I mean, I am up doing this conversation with y'all and then I'm going to return directly to my very comfortable bed. I have been either in a bath or in a bed since I returned home because I spiritually opened up to a whole different level. And now I need to restore you know, I need to, which I also think is a part of boundaries. Is like, <laughs> how do you create a boundary around what you need to be well, as you do bigger and bigger things. And I think this is a time where we're more connected than we've ever been. And we're called to do bigger and bigger work to think about the whole more and more often. And when we do that, we also need to be like, and I'm, how do I take care of myself inside of that? Boundaries are the main way for me that I'm like, my body needs this. My body doesn't need that. My body does not need to overextend. Um, I never, I'm like, I'm not an ER doctor. So there's nothing that I'm individually urgently called to do. Everything I'm doing is about how can we do this collaboration in the right way? How can we be realistic about what's actually going to be needed? And it gets me turned on these days to be like, to say the no's that are smart. You know, I'm like, Especially at the end of the year, honey, I'm just like, oh, are you asking me for a meeting on December twenty twenty three? Problem. <laughs> What's going to happen next year? This, um, and you know, and 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 to let it be real, right? Like, I'm not trying to distort anyone's work. I'm not trying to mess up anyone's plan, but just to say, like, if you want the best Adrian, you want the Adrian with her boundaries intact. If you want the best me. You want the me that was able to say no so that when I'm actually showing up for the yes, you're getting, you're getting the me that wants to be there, which is the only one worth having really, (laughs) you know? Um, Yeah. So it's, it's game changing. And again, permission to give myself boundaries, to feel the no inside and let it express itself fully and not have to make apologies. That's the other thing is for a long time, I was like, no, because here's my litany of reasons. I'm like, no, baby, it's no is a complete sentence. I don't have a litany of reasons. My body just is not there and my attention will not be either. Um, It's really different to build relationships from that place. And I feel like in much more authentic relationships with people, and I feel like anyone who doesn't like my nose has gotten to shift further and further away from my life.
0: Yeah. I, I have to say I'm a huge fan of of your know, Adrian. I feel like <laughs> I've learned so much. Um and I think the the spaces and conversations I've gotten to have with you around what it means to set boundaries within this work have yeah. been have been things that have really, you know, piece by piece, I think this is why I I put stacks of books together. Is I yeah. think there's piece by piece. These books give us back to ourselves. That's um, right. And it's all these voices in my life who have slowly encouraged me to reclaim myself. And I think this journal does that in a in a really deep and a really powerful way. Um, yeah. It says, "Hey, why don't you make this space to love you, to celebrate you, to look at yeah. you?" And I think. There's a huge criticism of kind of the, the younger generations, the millennial generation, the millennial generation, the, the social media kids. Yeah. Or- for being a little too self-obsessed for being too fixated on their childhood trauma for not being able to kind of get it together and contribute to the economy um (laughs) and and so you know and and I would say you know in a world of like selfies this book is a, a a real like anti-superficial relationship with your own body, right? Yes, Um, that's right. And and so we can talk about the difference between inner work and and self-image. In this last couple minutes, uh, you know, just quickly from each of you, what do you hope folks who complete this journal walk away with? Um, We've got about a minute for each of you. Um, I
1: would say that I hope that they walk away with the fact that it's never complete, right? That Mm. it's an invitation to keep coming back to yourself. That that that's what life is, is an invitation to keep returning to self, to keep returning to our own exploration, to figure out how do we become that um, ever-flowing fountain that keeps regenerating inside of us because that's what we're able to give to the world. That's what's actually going to create this, this idea of connection and resource. And, you know, I'm, I'm not surprised that, you know, people's reflections of, you know, the younger generations are there. You know, they're a little too self-absorbed, <laughs> self-concerned and, you know, thinking about their childhoods, right? Because you're coming from a generation that was told, never think about where you came from. That stuff doesn't matter. Just get over it and go and contribute to the economy. (laughs) And the reality is that we get to look around every single day and see what the outcome of those decisions have been (laughs) on a collective basis, right? We've not been team winning with that strategy. And so I'm curious, and that's the reason why this book exists is because we are so curious about what gets created when, when we contend with the us we've been avoiding. we actually decide to get inside a relationship with that what worlds open up and you know i think adrian and i both really are into the worlds that open up
0: Mm. adrian the last word is yours what do you hope people get out of journal of radical permission a daily guide for following your soul's calling yeah i
2: mean i think my biggest hope is that people get to experience more of the delight of themselves and, you know, I love this piece around what you're saying. I think if people don't have guidance for how to do this self-exploration and the self-reclamation, that's actually when you end up in that place where you you think that fragility is your identity. You think mm-hmm. that fragility is your personality and who you are. And I'm constantly wanting us to move from fragility to fortitude, but that fortitude comes through that inner work. So yeah. to me, I want people to do it and then be like, oh my God, like now when I, <laughs> when I'm, shutting down or when I'm repressing something I need to say or whatever, I'm able to have a sense of humor about it. I'm like, look at, look at that. Your five-year-old self just took over again. How sweet. How quickly can we get back to being our 44 year old self? How quickly can we come back into giving ourselves permission to say what we need to say? I feel delight. Like last week, I was stumbling into every single wall um, in, in trying to build this collaboration with people. And at the end of the night, I would just kind of laugh and be like, well, that was a lot. I cried a lot today. I felt a lot today. I'm learning so much, like there's just a sense of delight and curiosity and excitement to be alive that comes with permission to live my life as I'm meant to rather than as anyone else is defining for me. And that allows me to be a community in such a, an authentic self-loving way. Um, so that's what I hope for more people. It's just like, yes, you get to be you and you get to belong to us. And we all get to be here together learning how to be humans worthy of this planet moving into the future
0: sonia renee taylor Adrienne marie brown i love you so so much we love you too ali (laughs) it it was such an honor to get to have this conversation with you right here today on wort 89.9 fm this is a public affair i'm ali muldrow the book is journal of radical permission a daily guide for following your soul's calling Adrienne marie brown and sonia renee taylor
1: six above see you level